Film Review, Movies, Music, Culture, Politics, Society Podcast, Interviews, Movie Reviews, and more. Live Sundays at 5.30 p.m. on Facebook at Crazon Dion. Hey everybody, this is Lou Mel, the original bad girl of comedy. I'm here at the Link Promenade in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're watching the Film Review. Uh, I'm sitting here with the Baba, the man that with the knowledge that Franklin said he's just a neophyte and this is truly the teacher. I'm sitting here with Professor James Smalls. How you doing today, Professor? I'm good, brother. I wish you had two microphones. It would make oh. it easy. Oh, I'm pretty smooth with it. Okay, you're good. I'm smooth with it. I'm, I'm smooth with it, right, Franklin? I'm smooth with it. Okay. My first question is, you speak on Badum, and you speak on how it the influence it influences the Western religions, the top three. Remember, Vudun is the name that everybody has given now to African religion. So Haiti is the place where we tend to focus. But whenever you refer to something African spirituality, we say Voodoo or Voodoo. Well, that African spiritual system, the Africans didn't call their spiritual system that. The word voodoo comes from two languages, the foreign language, the people of Benin, whose state religion is voodoo, and um, the Ewe people who's next door to them. And that word means the essence of God, not God itself, the essence of God. So if you wanted to say the essence of God and man, you say voodoo gadzi. Godzi is man or human, and voodoo is the essence of God. You want to say the essence of God in nature, you say voodoo daha. Daha means nature, and voodoo means the essence of God. So what, when I say Judaism, Christianity, and Islam emanates from voodoo, I'm saying, and it can be proven historically, emanates from that African spiritual system, that African philosophical, ideological, and theological understanding of ecology and cosmology and the human relationship and interaction between ecology and cosmology. And all the rules and regulations set up by Africans to explain that relationship and to govern the behavior of humans and to cultivate and to teach the next generation intergenerationally is what the West now calls religion. You see? And, and they took it from us. They learned it from us. I don't think they came in and stole it and ran away with it. They learned it from us, and then they began to develop it among their people using their cultures. But in most cases, they only had aspects of it. I like to call fragments from the periphery of the African spiritual system end up developing what we know as Judaism, Christianity, and Islam because they didn't have an understanding of the total system of divinity. They had an understanding of fragments, and they got those fragments through learning certain folklore, certain stories, and certain allegories that gave them ethical, moral, principle, concepts, ideas, and principles, and they formulated their documents that they call their Torah, their Koran, and their Bible as the teaching tools to inform and instruct them about theology or about the knowledge of God. You know, that's what it is. So, you you speak on the three major Western. What about Buddhism? Is it connected? All of it is. The people of India, Buddha was black. Krishna was black. Um, I had a young friend. She's still very much my friend and a former student, um, Sister Kazu. 
who's Japanese. She studies the Shinto tradition, and she had come to America looking for me. Because as a little girl in Japan, I used to write for a magazine called No East, a Japanese music magazine, probably back in the 70s. So this kid reads this article I, I did in this magazine in the 70s on African-American and our history. When she grows up and gets in her 20s, she comes to America to find me with this old, balled-up newspaper article. I'm already, I left City College by then, by 1999. She ends up enrolling in Dr. Jeffrey's class. I come to substitute in the class. And this young lady, I'm walking down the hall, and I can feel somebody follow me. And every time I stop, they turn around. And I walk again, so I say, okay, that's enough. Why are y'all following me? And then she says, are you Professor Small? And she pulls out this article. I mean, it's all crumpled up, all beat up, because it's almost 20 years old, right? She said, did you write this article? And I go, like, where did you get that? And she says, oh, I, ever since I read this article, I had to come to America. I had to come to Harlem, and I had to find you. And she became my best friend of my students. She's back in Japan now. She's married. She married a beautiful brother, a Japanese brother. And they practiced the Shinto tradition. And in a tribute to what I taught her, they got married wearing the uniform of the last black samurai. That's how they did their wedding. And um, they have two children now. And Kazu, at first, when she started going back and studying her Shinto tradition, I told her Buddha was black. She said, oh, no, 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 Buddha, no black, you know, Professor Small, you know, da 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 So she went home the summer before graduation, and her mom took her to the main Shinto temple in Tokyo. And then she sent me the photo of Buddha in the inner sanctum, black as the ace of spades looking like any other African. The outside Buddhas are yellow or brown, but when you get in the inner sanctum, Buddha is there. And so when you study the tradition of Buddhism, one good book I recommend to anybody who wants to study and you'll see how close it is to Voodoo and other traditional African religion, buy a book that's called The Threefold Lotus Sutras. The Threefold Lotus Sutras. And these are three of the earliest, most profound sutras that explain the fundamentals of all of Buddhism. And when you read the Threefold Lotus Sutra, you'll see, oh my God, it's like reading any uh, John and Beatty African religion philosophy, looking at any good uh, 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 Yoruba text or any good Voodoo text. The things we call Orishas, they're calling by other names. And you see the same thing in Islam. You see Islam. They say, oh, Allah is one. Know ye that he begets none, know ye begotten. You know, Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, Kulhu, Allahu, Ahad, and so forth. Well, they have 99 pearls of faith. 99, they have some called the 99 names of Allah. It's nobody never talk about. It's the 99 qualities and attributes of God. It's 99 Orishas. 99 Voodoo Loas in Islam. And so when you begin to break religion down and really study it, you go like, all of this stuff is the same. What we are seeing is the manifestation of the teaching in different cultures. The manifestation of the teachings in different cultures. You can't take another culture's interpretation of the body of information, of universal understanding and knowledge of ecology and cosmology, and make it apply to you. You've got to learn that fundamental and then wrap it in your cultural mantle and serve it to yourself. Only then is it effective. And so the Indians who gave us Buddhism, they were still black. There's more black people in India than there's brown people. 
or white-skinned Indians, but the these uh, Asiatic Mongols who took over India and brought in what is called Hinduism still treat the black indigenous population of India like they're aliens, calling them untouchables and uh, making all kinds of profane rules to govern their lives. But the black people, the indigenous people of India, who are still there by the tens of millions, call themselves the 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 um the the anthropologists call them Davidians, but they call themselves um oh God, this is like not there right now. But I'll, I'll come back to it. But the people who gave us Buddhism were black. The people who gave us um. Krishnaism is black. The whole concept of Krishnaism is about black. The main god of redemption in Hinduism is black. So, and the philosophy that they're articulating as their religion is the same philosophy that we call voodoo. Okay, so we as a people developed the religion. Where does the hate of black people globally come from like you said that the uh, invaders pretty much um, talk about the untouchables and e- in each uh, landmass we, we, we can say there are groups of people who say well black people on the planet are untouchable segregation uh, apartheid so we gotta understand how human character works envy gives birth to jealousy. Jealousy gives birth to desire. Desire gives birth to antagonisms. Antagonism gives birth to violence and the violence gives birth to hatred. If you understand that process of something, someone has something and I look at the person having this something and I don't have it and I envy them because they have it and I don't have it. But if I don't have a philosophical way of mitigating my envy, then I move to the next level and I come being jealous that he got it and I don't have it. So now that I'm jealous of him, I begin to develop a desire to get that thing and a hatred for the person who have that thing. And that hatred usually leads to violence against that person. And so when many of the barbarians from Europe and Eurasia came into our land, and saw us living in peace and harmony, saw us with these beautiful temples and clothing, and they had none of this. They came wearing animal clothes and smelling, didn't know how to take baths, didn't have health care, didn't have medicine, didn't have herbals to heal themselves, and we have all these things. And so they came with their armies to take them. They took, came to take what they envied came to take what they were jealous of even though we shared it with them freely and they're still doing it we were brought to America not just for physical labor but we were the agronomists we were the agricultural scientists of the world the whites came to land and their diseased body killed off most of the native people what's going on people this is Crazy D you're listening to The Film Review Presents interviews of consciousness and we will be right back after this when you're looking for the restaurant in Las Vegas with great food and that folksy home feel TC's Barbecue Crib located at 3655 South Durango Drive is the place 
where you enter as strangers and leave as friends. TC's Barbecue Crib, 3655 South Durango Drive. Welcome back to the Film Review Presents Interviews of Consciousness. And they needed somebody to make the land grow. So they went to the one place where they didn't know, where the people was running the greatest agricultural phenomenon in the world, West Africa. And they brought us here to build an agricultural empire which we built, which became the foundation of the wealth for the banking system in the West today. And not only were we the agriculture scientists, we brought many other technologies with us, from ironsmithing and making bricks and on and on. And so they brought us here for our minds, our skills, our knowledge, as well as our bodies, you know? And so we built America. And yet, they could not evolve psychospiritually enough to grant us the same privileges as citizens of the nation as they granted themselves. Because they knew they came about the nation by criminal behavior. And they feel that if they put themselves on an equal footing with us, without criminality, violence, and terror, they couldn't compete with us. And that's really true. No white population has ever been able to compete with a black population in anything we've been given an equal opportunity to do. And thus come the envy, the jealousy, the hatred, and the violence. Okay. So envy, hatred, jealousy, violence. Envy, jealousy, after jealousy comes desire. Envy, jealousy, desire, hatred, and violence. Okay. Sometimes put the desire first. If you put desire first, I see Franklin got a beautiful hat on here. And I desire to have that black hat. But Franklin got it, and I don't know how to get it. So I become envious of the fact that Franklin's got something I desire. But after my envy, Franklin still got the hat, and I still don't have it. So I become jealous. Now I'm mad because Franklin got that hat. And that jealousy leads to the anger that leads to the violence that make me say, shoot, I'm going to figure a way to take Franklin's hat without him even knowing I done took his hat from him. And it really may sound simple, but it's a complex set of human values that become collective group value that is then acted out in a violent way with armies against other human beings. Um... I got into a debate yesterday with one of my colleagues concerning uh, the issues of what what are, what's happening in Las Vegas with the shooting over the weekend. And I said that this is a civil war between these two groups of people. He was disagreeable with that and said it, it's not a uh, civil war. I also said that being that we're human and they're not. And then he says... Uh, well, who is to determine what's who's human and who's not? Because God made all of us. Now, from my study, you should have said, "Prove it." You said God made all of us. Prove it. Besides your words, prove that God made all of us. And when you find a man or woman that can prove to anybody that God made anything, I'll kiss their feet and kneel at their feet. People like to throw those little clichéic statements around. What we view, everything should be judged for the action. Whatever made all of us, the actions of the European 
have been, for the centuries we've known him and records have been kept, have been the actions of someone who's not human. As simple as that. You go around and you slaughter billions of people in hundreds of years to take things from them. You didn't, that's why you didn't do it to protect yourself. Because the Asians were not trying to kill you. The Native Americans were not trying to kill you. The Africans were not trying to kill you. You left your Europe and went into these people's land and slaughtered them by the tens of millions over hundreds of years to take wealth to go back and build your Paris and your London and your Brussels and your Rome. That's what you did. That's an inhuman behavior. There's nothing human about that. You know? So the way I have learned it, African peoples and some Asian people, because some Asian people behave just as the European behave. African people and some Southern Asian people who are black-skinned like us, we are spirit having a human experience. Europeans and Northern white Asians are humans trying to have a spiritual experience. And so that's why they need religion. We don't need religion, because we are spirits having a human experience. So our culture, is our manifestation. But they need religion, an addendum to their culture, to instruct them on how to have a spiritual experience. So Europeans are humans trying to have a spiritual experience. Africans and Southern black Asians are spirit trying to have a human experience. And there comes the clash. Okay, because uh, once they released the human genome, they found out that 13% of the population was Neanderthal. And so I said, well, some people believe that white people, the, uh, the phenotype came from us uh, crossing over the land bridges when the land split apart and then through climate, uh, through climate change, they, they evolved into pale skin. And I say, well, if they were Neanderthal, they were a different group of people all together and then it all wraps into the bible it's going to be kind of long but i'm going to get to the point so he was saying that uh everyone made us and i said well when when cain murdered abel and then seth came about seth brings about the line and then when seth gets married he marries outside if this is the story of creation where did all the other people come from and so, you know, that, that's my question to him, because if we were all made the same, but there's one group of people in the Bible that are spoke of in the religion, he says, because he's, uh, he's listened to you, and he says, well, all the religions come from Africa, and I take it a different point. It comes from us, but they're not like us because they're different. They're Neanderthal. Is there something to that, or can you clear that up? Because some people say they came from us. Other people say that they're Neanderthal. I don't even know what Neanderthal is, and I think we have to be careful with words. Um, the anthropologists and archaeologists play with this word Neanderthal. But that's just a, a stage of evolution of people they found in Europe. Um, something happened in Europe. There was two major ice ages that wasn't there when Africans first went to Europe. And so if you spent 190,000 in the ice and survived, you are going to have to metamorphosize. 
You can't be the same thing and survive. You cannot survive in an ice age and stay black. You know, that's just real. That's just uh, physical anthropology will explain that alone. That if you're going to go, if this black person move up into northern Italy and is warm, and then for the next 190,000 years, you're in an ice age, meaning you got four or five yards of ice under your feet. Um, what are you going to do? How are you going to live? You can't stay black skin because the blackness is blocking out the sun and the sun is the major source of vitamin D and you need vitamin D to build bone structure in order to hold your body up. So you got to get rid of the black skin. It ain't going to happen overnight. It's going to take hundreds of years to do that. You know, the same thing with hair, the, every vital nerve, every vital um, transmission from your brain to the rest of your body that the brain runs past through the neck. Well, you got to grow long hair to cover that neck up to keep it warm. You can't keep this little nappy hair and be out here like you do in the sun. So there's a lot of things. Shekhan Tadeb deals with this in his book, Barbarism Civilization. Um, he looks at a lot of this, and then he gives you references of hundreds of other books you can turn to. To see Michael Bradley and Iceman Inheritance deals with this. Uh, we need to read those documents and then read their bibliographies and get a good look at who the European... Uh, we're dealing with someone that is genetically damaged. Okay? You're not dealing with it. You're not dealing with the same evolution out of Africa. You're dealing with someone who's genetically damaged. And that genetic damage is generationally systemic. You know? Um, You could take every white man in Las Vegas and tell them to do a DNA test. And I guarantee you, you'll find a certain percentage of their DNA is African. I don't care who you take. If you take the blondest, most blue-eyed white man and the blackest, curly-haired black man, and you'll find they are only one-ninth of a percent different genetically. You know? So, that, but that one-ninth is significant because it deal with pineal gland and it deal with other things. The white man is a damage. He's a mutation. He's an extreme mutation off of the African gene pool. And a mutant is a mutant, meaning it has been damaged. And so this damaged creature have been educated and formed by the wisdom that we created to behave better than his damage should dictate he should behave. But at the end of the day, we can see not just the shooting in Las Vegas last week. In the last 10 years, how many mass shootings have we had in America? Over 100 that have killed thousands of people. But because we forget them, one to the next one, one to the next one, we bring them all together, go online, look up mass shooting in America in the last 20 years, and it will blow your minds. How many mass shootings we've had done primarily by whites? And believe it or not, it's mostly against the young people. The weirdest thing. I don't know why that man did what he did. What he did was evil, it was wrong, it was destructive. Um, but I know the mindset that did that was not informed and instructed by any of the values that come out of African culture. The mindset that did that is informed and instructed by a culture 
that have been cultivated and created in Europe and America. That's a culture based on violence, hatred, and disdain for human life. That's the culture. You know, if we were in a, if we brought love to a community, then the environment will be that of love. If you brought hatred and lies and abuse, then the environment will be that. And he's acting out of what this environment is. What's going on, people? This is Crazy D. You're listening to The Film Review Presents Interviews of Consciousness. And we will be right back after this. We are the husband and wife team. We are the husband and wife team. We are the husband and wife team. Stay tuned. We're the husband and wife team. I'm Crazy D. And this is the film review. Stay tuned. We've got a lot to talk about. We are the husband and wife team. Review movies, music, culture, politics, and society. This is the film review. Movies, music, culture, politics, and society. We're the husband and wife team. I'm Crazy D. Tracy. And we review movies, music, culture, politics, and society. Sunday at 5.30 on Crazon Dion page on Facebook. Live stream. The film review. Movies, music, culture, politics, and society. Welcome back to the Film Review Presents Interviews of Consciousness. Even the President of the United States was giving praise to people marching under the Nazi flag, a flag that was flown by people that committed genocide of millions and millions of other human beings within a five-year period of time. And the other flag they were flying under was the stars and bars of the Confederate military army that killed hundreds of thousands of American citizens because they wanted to destroy the United States of America. And the President of the United States of America said there was some good among them. Yet he attacked a young man who kneeled for the Star Spangled Banner being played to bring attention to the wrongful killing of unarmed black men in America. So when you create hate and violence as a part of the culture that you are leading, then you see it manifest like it did in downtown Las Vegas. That's a manifestation of a culture of violence and hatred, which is atypical of America, or typical of America, I'm sorry. So should we as a people have compassion for those who were slain when something like that happens to us? It seems like the media, the majority of the people seem to not have compassion for the same thing. They won't say, oh, that person was just sick. He was mentally disturbed. They'll say, well, that's some kind of genetic uh, deficiency, malfeasance. Should we have compassion for those people uh, who they were at a concert where the person who was the lead, uh, the headliner, last Halloween wore blackface, and so they know their fans. They know what he stands for and what he's about. Should we have compassion, or is that is that making us less than human, or does that make us weak to have compassion for those who don't have compassion for us? First of all, we should stop reacting to the triggers that white people, certain white people create for us to react to, like the, the Confederate flag, the blackface. Those are triggers other people created for us. I give a damn who wears blackface. You know what I'm saying? Um, Personal wear blackface. There were black people who used to wear blackface before the white folks started wearing blackface. The white folks who wear blackface was imitating black folks who was imitating black folks. So we need to learn history and get it right. And I don't care why. I don't care whether he likes me, don't like me. That, that's irrelevant. The question comes, do I like me enough to protect me from him? 
and we obviously don't because we're not protecting ourselves from them. We know who they are. We have a historical relationship of 300 years with white America and their violence, their brutality, their genocide, and their murder, and we still act like it never happened. So right at this point, I'm holding black people responsible for being irresponsible about the protection of black people. Let me go further on that, about this thing about feeling compassion. I'm not them. I feel compassion for everybody who was killed and shot out there that day because they didn't deserve that. They were human beings, or at least doing the best they can to be human beings. I don't care whether they like me, don't like me. They're negatively socialized by the same forces we're fighting against. So I don't want to become them. Because if I become them, they're better at being them than me, so I lose. I want to become me, the compassionate, godly, divine element in the universe. But I must not present that as they say I should, you know, by turning the other cheek. I must protect my divinity. I must be, be, be coveted about my divinity. And that's the mistake black people are making. We're saying, oh, we are all these beautiful things, but then protect the beautiful thing that you are. If we are divine and we are godly and we are saintly, then protect the divine, godly, saintly thing you are. And we're not doing that. That you don't have to become the monster to defeat the monster. Matter of fact, if you become the monster, you'll never defeat the monster because the monster is better at being a monster than you to pretend it to being a monster. So you be the God, but learn how to protect God from the monster. And we haven't done that very well. No, those people didn't deserve what happened to them. None of them did. And we who have suffered more than anybody in this country should have empathy and compassion for them. I don't know why the man did it. I hear all these things flying around. One thing I do know, people died out there that shouldn't have died. People were injured that shouldn't have been injured. I don't know whether they were good, bad. I'm sure some of the people that died were beautiful human beings who had never done wrong or hurt anybody. Some may have been racist, backwards pigs. I don't know none of that. What I do know, they shouldn't have died like that. And what I do know, that I as a human being, I'm not going to condone that. I would condone if that person was shooting at me and I had the wherewithal to shoot back at him, I would do condone killing him. But I can't condone him killing those innocent people. I've got to, if I'm going to keep the human moral high ground, I've got to make sure that my empathy and my compassion is intact and in place for all of humanity. Otherwise, we get caught up to being the same monster we said we want to destroy. And Dr. King spoke on that. We don't listen to Doc. Well, we need to really listen to Dr. King. He really speaks on that. How to be strong protective of yourself and yet not become the beast that you're setting out to destroy. Uh, last week, I uh, asked Franklin this question concerning uh, the white population being 8% of the global population and their population dwindling. And I said, uh, being that they're in fear of being annihilated genetically, basically through uh, sexual contact with black people um, should we be re-educating white people we, we often speak on what we need to know as black people should we be re-educating white people so that they can uh, 
so the transition of what's getting ready to uh, inevitably happen with you know the population changing more into black and brown people and them continuing to dwindle in population uh, should we re-educate them no I think we should re-educate ourselves being you is an education to other people we have failed at educating black people we have failed grossly at educating black people there is no collective black education population of any significant size not only here but in the world we've suffered a war of over 2,000 years of warfare against European nations and the damage has been phenomenal from one end of Africa to the other from one end of the Caribbean, Central, South America, North America to the other. And we haven't even begun to repair ourselves. We haven't begun to heal ourselves. So we don't have time. One of the weaknesses we have, we're constantly trying to heal white people. We're constantly trying to tell them what's right. We're constantly trying to show them how good we are or how much we belong. We're telling the murderer, accept me. I, I should be acceptable to the rapists. Yeah, what are we doing? No, 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 not, not us trying to... Uh, say that okay. What I'm saying, well, I'm saying that what we do as a general practice as black people is telling white people, I'm just as good as you. Excuse me? I'm just as good as the murderer, the rapist, the genocide? No, 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 no. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. You want to educate the white people? be what you are supposed to be as an African people and since we've lost that knowledge to a great degree let's learn what it means to be the African spiritual element on this planet restore that to ourselves it is that that'll give us the leadership of the world again white people whether we have one sexual intercourse with any white people in the next 500 years or a little bit less will all be gone right now every white population in the world is at Minus zero or minus or zero population, minus zero population. What it means, every white population in the world is losing more people to natural death than they're able to produce by natural birth. So they're going to die. And so they know that. The leadership know that. The masses don't know that. But you don't have to worry about that. Build the black community back to the element it was before the war of genocide against us by whites that started back with the Greeks and the Romans and the Hyksos and the Hittites because this didn't start in 1492 you know 1492 just brought us into the last phase of it to now so this has been a war against African people, African spiritual system, African institutions African civilization has gone on to somewhere close to 3,000 years now that's why we got no history 3,000 years now and we've been getting our butts whipped in 3,000 years and part of it the fear that have been engendered in us makes us want to be like the thing that's inflicting the fear and damage on us what is called the Stockholm Syndrome we our whole culture now both on and off the African continent is the Stockholm Syndrome we want to be just like the white man well he's a murderer a collective murderer we want to be like the white man. He's a collective robber, a collective thief, a collective racist. So if you want to be like that, then you're going to become your murderer, your robber, and your racist too, like we have become. So back to your word of whether we should feel 
compassion and empathy, you better feel compassion and empathy or you become them. And if you become them, what do you have to complain about? And <laughs> that's what we will leave this right here. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Professor James Smalls for interviewing with us today. The Film Review, Movies, Music, Culture, Politics, Society podcast, interviews, movie reviews, and more. Live Sundays at 5.30 p.m. on Facebook at Crazon Dion. Hey everybody, this is Lunell, the original bad girl of comedy. I'm here at the Link Promenade in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're watching the film review. <laughs>